don't we just take a minute or two? I always like to do this because it helps me get situated. And it just breaks the ice up a little bit. Why don't we just take a minute or two and just greet somebody you don't know, shake the hand, tell somebody they look good, thanks for coming to church, something like that. Just take a couple minutes. Okay, that's enough, people. Get back to your seats. You guys like each other too much. Stop it. My God, I said a minute. Not an hour. Huh? Matthew, you got to stop talking, bro. No, I'm just joking. Just joking. <laughs> well, we got a lot of friends gone today. Spring break is upon us, even though it doesn't feel like that outside. My God. Somebody needs to come and break the curse off this New England weather. I can't stand it. Jeez, I praise the Lord. Yeah, you keep on saying that. I don't know about you, but I got up that morning. When was it? Wednesday? And, and I saw the snow coming down. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I, I don't know. Something in my flesh just came up, and I was like, honey, pray for me quick. Anyways, well, we want to welcome everybody who's here for the first time and maybe the second time to Hilltop. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Daryl Temple, and I'll be bringing you the word. Me and my wife are the lead pastors here. And uh, we love this work that God's doing here in Cambridge, uh, and we love that we get to be a part of it. If you would, open your Word, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you're using. If you need the code to use the Internet, it's Inspire, and I hope to inspire you all today. Come on, somebody. All right, a little corny, but okay, we trying. First John, we're going to start in chapter 2, verse 3. I'm going to read three verses for you. And if I was to title this message, while you're turning, uh, I hate titles, but if I was to title this message, I would title it, Love Looks Like Something. Somebody say, Love. love. Oh, come on, guys. Love. love. One more time. Love, love. Looks like something. Do you believe it? Okay. No, I didn't say Do you believe it? The word love, we kind of throw around casually, don't we? I don't know, for me, I do. I'm leaving the house. I love you, honey. Love you, son. Of course I mean it, but, you know, it's just one of those things that become very casual and come, become very, I don't know, deadened, really, the, the true meaning of what love is, right? I've been uh, kind of trying to let 
you guys all, I know last Sunday I started with trying to give you a kind of a behind the scenes, for lack of better words, look into something that's happening currently in my walk with the Lord. And I'm going to continue that conversation. If you don't remember, I'm sorry, you missed a great message. I will teach you not to, sh- not to skip on Sundays. Come on, somebody. I realize that there's actually two, well, there's actually three times that people will skip church in Massachusetts. Super Bowl? Uh-oh. And spring break. Hallelujah. Anyways, first John, you guys there? I'm just going to eat these uh, mints in my, in my mouth, if you don't mind. I'll take the mic away, so it's... Okay. Everybody feeling all right? It's okay to laugh in church. First John chapter 2, verse 3, and this is what John says. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar. Oh, no. It's getting hot in here. That person is a liar and not living in the truth. Now, I want you to key in on these last two verses. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they what? Love him. Someone say love looks like something. Second half of verse 5. That is how we know that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Yes, John really said that. He really said that. Those who say they live in God should live their lives like Jesus did. We set the bar so low, don't we? But yet John kind of, I don't believe in any way he sets the bar high. I think he just gives us a perfect image of where we're to be in our walk and in our obedience to Christ and to God. And the one thing that particularly sticks out to me is this verse 5 where he says, but those who obey God's word truly show completely they love him. Love looks like something, doesn't it, according to John. And you know, it certainly looks something, like something according to Jesus. If you would, turn to the Gospel of John. 1431, I'm just going to read one passage, but I want you to listen to the words of Jesus, because it really summarizes 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. And Jesus says this in verse 31, he says, but I do as the Father has commanded me. Somebody say, I do, come on, like you mean it, I do as the Father has commanded me, so that What? So that the world may know that I love him. So in one little phrase, Jesus summarizes what John's saying. We're not talking about, John's not talking about, excuse me, looking completely like Jesus or being completely like Jesus, but being being perfect in obedience. Being per, you know, I'm going to go ahead of myself, but I'm going to stop and back it up a little bit. I'm going to say, don't, don't go too fast. But Jesus is saying, listen, this is how I show the world that I love the Father. How? I do what he says. I follow his commands. I'm all done preaching. Let's just close the book. I mean, there, man, there is such 
a deficiency, I would say, in the body of Christ to just simply obey Him. Because by obeying Him shows Him that we love Him. Oh, I'm going to go further. Someone say, love looks like something. Does love not look like something to John? Does love not look like something to Jesus? It does. How many times you just sit in a church service or a prayer meeting, wherever you go to encounter God, and you're just like, I love you, God. And you just, you just say that phrase, I love you, God. And you get a check in your spirit. I, I've been there. Listen, I'm, only, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to myself right now. Where you just casually use the words, I love you, God. And you get this thing in your spirit. Really? Really? Am I going too far? Am I going? Am I? Am I, am I, am I you just get a check in your spirit. The Lord begins to highlight things in your heart and in your life. Listen, I'm not trying to beat anyone up today. I'm simply letting you into my story. I'm, let, I'm letting you into currently what's going on in my life as your leader and what the Lord's doing. Love looks like something. What does it look like? It looks like obedience. Why do we set the bar so low? Why do we think it's impractical and hard to be obedient in our walk to the Lord? I mean, why, why are we setting the standard so low? And ultimately, at the end of the day, the only one that gets defeated or discredited is ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is setting up hula hoops for you just to jump through. And listen, there is grace. There is much grace. But should we keep on sinning that grace can abound? You know, the flip side of Romans chapter 5 is Romans chapter 6. Paul brings out the balance of God's grace. It's, you know? Listen, I, I didn't sign up to follow Jesus to just be casual in my approach, in my relationship with Him. I didn't, I didn't just sign, I didn't just give my heart to the Lord so I could apathetically live my Christian experience out here on earth and complacently just get by. I didn't do that. I don't want it. I don't want it. And there's just something radical about when the believer says, no, I'm going to obey him. Why? I, want to I don't want to just tell him with words that I love you, Jesus. I want to show you in my lifestyle. Come on, James, he says, listen, don't just be hearers. Be doers. There is an epidemic in the church where we just want to hear the word and do nothing. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. I actually am just very passionate and maybe a little mad. But I do love Jesus. We're working on the whole anger thing, and God's good. Love looks like something. Turn with me another brief scripture here. John 14, 15. This is what Jesus says. If you love me, we all know this scripture. I'm just going to read it into record today. If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. Simple, right? John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. This is, this is the Son of God. You better take note when Jesus speaks. Whoever, this is John, John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, not just has them, not just knows them, 
Not just is so familiar with this book that it has no power and no anchor in our life, but somebody who, who knows the commandments and keeps them. We, we have knowledge. Some of us are, it's scary how smart you are. And I feel so intimidated leading you because not necessarily my story. But isn't that the way God works? I get somewhere around, whatever. Um, so, so whoever keeps my commandments is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. So Jesus, our God, reciprocates. But it's conditional. <laughs> I, I, listen, I know his love is unconditional. Hear me, hear me. I know his love is unconditional. See, there's something in Christians, and Paul identified this in the book of Hebrews, I believe it is, where, where people were just content living off the milk of the word, right? They didn't, in, in essence, they didn't want to take their spiritual walk, their, their faith in Christ deeper. They just stay basic, stay, you know, and Paul's like, hey, should we keep on preaching about this? Should we keep on preaching about that? No, listen, you've got to mature. And there's something in the church today where we just want to stay, you know, in an infant state, just bliss in, 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 in dumbness. <laughs> because the more we know, the more, the more we know of the word, the more that's required. Isn't that what Peter said? The more knowledge that we grow in, there's more of an accountability. So because of that, I can't just go on in my infant state serving the Lord. I can't just go on sticking band-aids and, and, and living life the way I want to. I can't because I know too much. And you may be saying, no, you don't. And you're right, I don't. There's more that I need to know. But you understand what I'm saying. There has to become... In our hearts, a place where we desire the deep things of God. The meat, like Paul said. Stop nursing. Get off the milk and get the meat. And I believe that these are one of these, these, are one of these things. Where, where actually, through Jesus and John, we see that love actually looks something. We can't just say, God, I love you. It has to materialize somewhere. It's not that God's going to guilt you into it. It's not that God's going to beat you. And he's not. He's inviting you into it. See, that's the thing. We, well, pastor's beating me up. No, I'm giving you an invitation. Why? Because I've been given that invitation. And I'd be dumb to not do that. It would be foolish just to stay dumb. Forgive me for my... Everybody all right? Because some of you guys look like you want to stone me. Okay, listen. The blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I didn't come to get stoned, okay? I just came to give you the truth. This is the, I'm, I'm simply reading the scripture, okay? And, and, and the good thing about both John and Jesus, you cannot mince words. You do not need a theologian to understand the contextual whatever of these scripture verses. They are plain, Jane, simple. We can't just be hearers. we got to be doers. Come on, how many feel, if you... I'm just preaching to myself. I mean, how many of you just feel like your life is given over just to hearing, hearing, Sunday, 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 oh, hallelujah, and then Monday, your life is a mess. Come on. Aren't, listen, for the love of God, aren't you sick of that? 
And, and why wouldn't we be when God has offered us so much more? Come on. That's the way I look at it. All right, some of you smiling now. Thank you. Thank you. I love Jesus. I yell. It happens. We're working on it. Uh, my wife's praying for me. And by the grace of God, we'll get deliverance. But, but how much, how many of us today, under the sound of my voice, just want more? More? Not, not necessarily, just, just, just to live and, and, and let me, can I, can I take you off? No, I'm not going to take you there. Turn with me real quick. I know it's a lot of scripture, and we're about to read a whole chapter. I know that, some, that scares some of you. But really, it's not a big deal, because this is probably the most word that some of you have got this week. So let's turn to 1 Samuel 15, if you would. Praise God. I'm sorry. I know, I know, really. I just, I need a governor, and we're praying, and just, I need like some kind of, stop it, Daryl. Now, I'm going to be brief. I know uh, service went a little long. It's 5.14. I promise to be done by 5.30. Come on. Glory. Some of you are like, yes. He's hearing from the Lord. First um, Samuel 15, okay? You all right? All right, come on, buddy. Now, we all know this story. I just want to, I want to read it and uh, bring it back into attention because I'm going somewhere with this. So First Samuel, I'm going to try to read it. Read the whole chapter. Jesus, by the grace of God, at least to verse 24. One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king and his people Israel. Now listen to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of the heaven's army is declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of the Amalekites for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go completely destroy the entire Amalekite, sorry, nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Wow. God is committing genocide. I can't believe it. Okay, so he goes on. Now, this is, this is, the, this is the, the crux of what God is. He wants to settle some, some, the score with the, Amalek, the Amalekite people. Because the Amalekite people in the most vulnerable state of Israel's time, when they were first just being led out of Egypt, they destroyed, or they went to war against the Israelites in Exodus 17. Now, God gave them victory, but God also was going to settle a score, and he's going to use King Saul to settle that score. Hopefully, we all know this scripture. So Saul, verse 4, mobilized his army. I'm not even going to read that word. And there was 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to town to, of the Amalekites and, laid, and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Canaanites. Move away from the Amalekites uh, or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Canaanites packed it up and left. Verse 7, then Saul slaughtered. He Saul Wiped the Amalekites off. But he did two things under the pressure of the people. He spared the life of the king. You know the story, right? And he, they took whatever pleased them. And whatever, in essence, they got rid of anything that was, looked like a waste and just, you know, like a beat-up Honda. No, we don't want that. Mercedes-Benz. Yes, let's take that. So they're just, they're pulling out everything that looks again. And, and we know that he's going exactly against what the word of the Lord was for him. Right? 
So here it goes. Verse 9. Saul and his men spared king, the king's life and kept the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and fat calves. And the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless and poor in quality. Verse 10. The Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. Ouch. You never want the Lord saying that over your life. For he has not been what? Loyal. What did we talk about last week? Didn't we talk about the issue of divided loyalty, right? So here's Saul, perfect image of a man who is divided in his loyalty to God, right? That's what God said about him. For he, in the, latter, in the second part of verse 10, he said, he has not been loyal to me and has refused what? To obey my command. So you have the word loyal and you have the a, a word obey, two things of which Saul dropped the ball on. Samuel was so deeply moved when he had heard this that he cried out to the Lord all day and night. Samuel had a prayer a meeting. Oh, my goodness. Early the next morning, Samuel, uh, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went into town to build an altar for himself. Oh, great, Saul. Not a good move. Verse 13, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you. He said, I have carried out the Lord's command. Really? Verse 14, then what is all this bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of the cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. Verse 15, it's true that the army spared the best sheep, goats, cattle, Saul omitted, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord. Let's just park the brakes. Seems like a worthy cause, right? Hey, dude. You know, don't get bent out of shape. We're going to sacrifice these things. We're going we're gonna to worship the Lord. It doesn't, doesn't seem like, it's like he's not going to keep them and, you know, feed his family with them. He's going to give them to the Lord, right? Sounds great. Verse 16, then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen, what the Lord has told me last night. Oh, what did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? I'm sorry, you are not the leader of the tribes of Israel. The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush to plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Verse 20, but I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back the king, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plundered to sacrifice to the Lord. And here it is. All that just to say this. Samuel says, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than an offering of fat, of the fat of rams. Rebellion is sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. Ouch! So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he is what? He has rejected you as king. Ho! Oh. Luckily, there is much grace. I am sweating. Do you notice? Some of you can laugh there. Hard crowd. So Saul, from that point, goes on and tries to beg for forgiveness, essentially. 
realizes the errors of his ways, and he's like, man, forgive me, but you know what? The Lord was done. Why? Because Saul, and it says it later on in the passage of Scripture, that Saul was more interested in, in meeting the demands of the people. He was more interested in, in serving the needs of the people than he was fulfilling what God and being obedient to what God had called him. And unfortunately, this wasn't the first issue. But the thing that's profound is Saul, and this is my main point from the story, is Saul really, I, I think, I'll just go on a limb here, he's pretty sincere. I mean, you know, okay, he's, he spared the king, all right. I mean, God, you, you wanted me to destroy the whole nation. I mean, that's wild. But, but, but he, he took these animals, and he, and he essentially just wanted to give them as sacrifice to the Lord. As, as, and then I want you to hear this. He just wanted to worship the Lord and glorify the Lord and say, ah, look what he did, God. Seems pretty, pretty good, but God was dissatisfied. And, 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 and unfortunately, guys, the thing that makes this more New Testament than this story in the Old Testament is that Jesus used these same words. He referenced these same words to those... There was these religious leaders, and they tried to drag Jesus into these conversations that were really silly, right, in Mark chapter 12. And Jesus just, he, you know, he's resilient. He's just like, here it is, blah, 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 blah. You don't know the words. You don't know the power of God, blah, 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 blah. Take that, shut up. And this one religious dude, he's like, hey, what is the, we all know the story. What is, what is the first commandment? What is what is the ultimate commandment that we should be following? What does Jesus say? He says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Will love. Right? We know the story. And the religious leader, is, this, this guy, I, they don't say his name in the text, but he's so taken back and he's like, you know, you can, you, can get, you can get a sense that something's at work in his heart. He's not like the other dudes that were questioning Jesus in, in, in Mark chapter 12, 22. He was sincere. And he's like, for you have answered right, teacher. And Let's just turn there so I don't butcher the scripture. I know, guys, come on. This is the word of God. Glory. So 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and the only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength, right? The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Then the teacher of the religious law replied and said, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart, with all my understanding, with all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. What is more important? Obedience is more important. In, in, in the gospel, specifically, see it in Jesus' life. This communication where he's like, man, I, I do what I see my father do. I, 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 I do them. I, I, I perceive them, and I do them. I am, I'm intentional in this. And, and why? Because I want to show the world what? I love him. Is this, is this resonating in anybody? I feel like I'm shooting, shooting in the dark. Wendy, give me a sign. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice. What does that mean in today's kind of setting? My obedience is important than the music that I sing out of my mouth on Sunday. My obedience to God is more valuable than my stance behind this mic. I could fool anybody behind this mic. But the true test of my love for God is how I live out Monday through Saturday. Am I getting too uh, uh, Pentecostal tent meeting for you? Because we need some of that back in the church. Come on. Listen. My obedience to God proves more of my love than my little cliche go-to songs that I can do to try to move your hearts in worship. Oh, I just said that. Listen, you do worship long enough like I have, and it can become the most insincere thing to God, and I know it. I know it because I know all the right things to do, when to do them, how to do them, all, you know. you got to be careful. And I'm only saying that to say this just to bring out the, 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 a real true picture of this is that our obedience is more of a sign that we love God than our sacrifice is to God. Come on. Is anybody having a problem with obedience? You know, the problem is we don't want to be lorded over by anybody in America. Oh, no. I'm my own person. Yeah, right. Come on. Stop it. We don't, we don't, we, the, 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 the. I won't go there. It's that governor or anything I talked about. It's just bridle that tongue. In Jesus' name. But isn't it true? We're our, we're, we we want to be ourselves. And, and we, don't, we don't necessarily want anybody telling us what to do. Nevertheless, kind of following. And you may think that that, not, that that doesn't bleed or kind of get into your walk with the Lord. But it does. It certainly does, friend. It's, I didn't come to beat up anybody today. I just came to let you into my story right now. What's going on? In my, I, I, I am faced um, just with this on a daily basis. And I don't feel like it's the Lord. You know, there, there is an absolute need in the body of Christ to rightly discern between condemnation and conviction. I believe that wholeheartedly. I've used that term a lot. But, you know... We, we so much, you know, we hear certain messages, we're like, that man's just trying to condemn me. And, you know, of course you're not going to stand up and say, stop condemning me. You know, but you're thinking that in your mind. You ever been that, am I the only person to sit under a message and be like, oh, my God, this guy is a jerk. And, 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 and finally the Lord just speaks to your heart and says, no, Daryl, I'm trying to convict you right now. And then I'm like, oh, no. Oh, God. And I find some of the most beautiful times in my life is when I'm just open to that. And I'm not necessarily on the... We have so many defenses that we try to throw up when somebody cracks open the Word of God. Because you know what? We live in a culture, Billy Graham says that, where, where we're so concerned of, about offending everyone except for God. Isn't that the truth? And it's bled over to the church. Don't, don't say this, you'll offend them. Don't say this. Oh, they won't come back Sunday. Never mind, I'm not going to say that. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. But obedience is beautiful, isn't it, guys? 
And it's something that we lack. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. It's something that we lack. And it's something that God wants us to have. Why? Because it's a testament of our love for him. Love looks like something. We cannot just merely say, God, I love you. And the fruit of it be nothing. You can't. You can throw at me messages about the grace of God all you want. I don't believe it. Grace is not a band-aid, friend. It's not something we just put on the problem hoping that it will go away. Grace is the ability, according to Jude, to stand under the weight of pressure of sin and not give in. Woo! Yeah! I felt that. Come on! Woo! No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I did feel that. Um, But I was getting a little crazy there. Uh, Anyways... But grace is the ability to stand under the weight and pressure of temptation. You know what grace was? When Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and he did not give in to the weight and pressure of sin. And you may think, well, he was the son of God. No, friend. Yes, he was the son of God. Let's make that clear. Praise the Lord. Woo. But he was acquainted with everything, friend, that you and I are acquainted with today. And that's the, that's the truth. Grace is not some band-aid. And some of us are treating grace as if it is like a, uh, you know, just put it on the wound. Hopefully it heals. Unfortunately, it doesn't. That, that band-aid gets a little tired, gets a little worn, that thing polished off. Grace is the ability to, be, to overcome as Jesus overcame. Of course, there is grace in the midst. We're not perfect. We're not saying that you're, you can live a sinful, sinless life at all. Man, I'm, I am the chief amongst sinners here today. <laughs> you can throw me in that bracket, Johnny. I don't think there's anybody here named Johnny. But, uh, but you can throw me in there because, because I'm the chief among. I need, I need the grace of God. But I do know when the Lord highlights, he brings truth and he gives me knowledge of Scripture. My life is called up. It's called up to, I, just, I can't just simply go this way. i got to go this way now because why? I know this to be true now. I know that my obedience to God needs to look like something. It needs to be lived out practically on a day in and day out. We all know this. We all know this. The problem is living it out. The problem is actually being lived out and exercised in our life, right? Man, I just have, I have a desire for something so much more for my life. As a believer, you know, when, when, when people would preach to me the stories of God, and the power of God, I'm like, that is for me, friend. I, I don't think that I'm just given over to be a welcome mat for my flesh and the devil the rest of my life on this side of eternity. But isn't that the way we live? Like, we'll get redeemed and we'll live a certain way when Jesus comes back. Man, I'm going to tell you, you, you better start exercising some of these things that Jesus has, has, has for us now because when that day comes, when those great and terrible days comes, you're going to need a lot, a lot of strength, friend. The Bible says he's got to shorten the days. Why? Because even the elect, even the elect could be snatched. Even the elect could be destroyed. So what am I trying to do? I'm preparing you for the end days, friend. Come on, somebody. Don't judge me. Obedience is better than sacrifice. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice. You sound, well, you sound like a, uh, 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 what do they call that? Um, whatever. Uh, you sound like something. Uh, but I want to get this into us today, in our brains. You can sing as many songs you want. You can read as much scripture as you want. You can go to as many prayer meetings as you want. <laughs> you can preach as many times. But if, you're obedient, if there is a deficiency, if there is a lack of obedience, oh, you are suffering. You are suffering. And it's not the fullness that God has for us. Love looks like something. Let's bow our heads. I like this, 534.